church? All right, good morning. Favorite joins us this morning as we come together and worship God together through song and through his word. Uh, this morning I want to share uh, a couple of verses with you. If you can move it to the other side so I can read it. There we go. My eyes aren't as great as I wish they were. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it reads, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, <clears throat> that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is something... Um, this past week as I was, you know, I have the many opportunities to, to talk with our kids and, and um, the different things that they see at school and the things that they randomly see on the news within uh, what's happening in our world at this time and all the craziness, it's good for us to take those teachable moments to remind our children how God is com in complete control of everything. There's nothing that he doesn't have control of. He knows where, we're, where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. He has everything taken care of, and we just have to constantly remind ourselves of that. And that's, okay. this song I'm going to share with you this morning is entitled, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. things there's no power like the power 
Good morning. I'm glad that you are here in the building. I'm glad that you're here online. So thank you for joining us as we worship. As we worship a God that there's not a thing He can't do, not a mountain He cannot move. And, and so if you're facing something difficult, if you are having anxiety, whether you're here or you're at home, understand that the Jesus we're going to talk about today, the Jesus we're going to sing about today, has the power to overcome whatever obstacle is in your way, whatever lies out there ahead of you. Uh, just put your trust in Him, and He's going to walk you through. He may not immediately take that anxiety away, because that's, you've got to put your faith and trust in Him and, and understand that. So, I have in my hand an Operation Christmas Child box, and it has inside a little sticker there. So, if you are here, the boxes are set out, there's space, so you don't have to handle the box. Somebody else has already handled, and you can grab the box on your way out. And what they want to do is make enough boxes so that we can make a Christmas tree. So, and we don't want to make a Charlie Brown Christmas tree with our boxes. We want to make a presidential Christmas tree is what we're looking for, okay? So know the difference that we're trying to, to do that. And that takes you guys participating in that, grabbing a box. If you're online watching and you're close enough to Carlinville that you want to drive by, call the office. We'll make sure that we have a box ready for you. And you don't even have to, you know, if you'll drive up on the ramp, we'll just come out and walk out and give it to you. And uh, our, I guess we could put it out there. We'll play a little spy game, and we'll put it by the mailbox and walk away, and then you can pick it up. But anyway, we just want you to get a box so that you can participate in this. What happens with this box is these, these box will go to the distribution center. And uh, last year, we got to go up to the Chicago area. And what we do is we see if you pack the box right. We open the box up, and we take out things that aren't supposed to. If you put food in there, um, we get to eat it. No. Um, it, it goes away, and then if there's not enough stuff in it, we pack more stuff into it. They had stuff up there, and then they put some more papers and the book in there. Uh, it was quite an operation, so I don't know how they're handled that this year, but that's what will happen. And these boxes go overseas where some kid opens up the box and and... They are amazed. Many times you'll hear a story about how, and you can go online to Operation Christmas Child website, and you can watch videos that will make you cry. All right, just how, that's how it goes because they've been praying for something, and, and lo and behold, the shoes or the radio or whatever it might be is inside this box. But this box also contains the gospel 
uh, uh, story, and they get to go through that together, and many times they respond, and they get to, not only do they get cool stuff in the box, but they get an eternal gift in Jesus Christ. And so that's why we do this. That's why we do church, right? Uh, it's not so I can hear you sing. It's not so you can hear me sing. It's so we can, so hopefully lives can be changed and transformed. Somebody out there, somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus can find Jesus as Lord and Savior and have their whole eternity changed. So thank you today. Let's pray and then let's worship like it's the last time we get to worship here, okay? Because he could be coming back. And so I want you to practice up so when you get there and you sing uh, around the throne of heaven, it doesn't look like it's the first time you sang, okay? So let's, let's work on that and let's count on Jesus coming back. Uh, Any time would not, not be soon enough, right? And so to stand before him in all of his glory, that's the hope that we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship. Father, I pray that we would worship like we might not even get through the song before the trumpet blows and you call us home. Father, we, we look forward to that amazing day. Father, in the meantime, we pray that as we sing, as we look into your word, Father, if there's somebody out there that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day, Father, that that's changed. Father, they come to know you as Savior. Their, their life would be forever in your hands. Father, we pray for us, Lord, that already know you, that our relationship would be deepened. Father, we would draw closer to you, Father, through song, through the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to let everybody stand up while I fix the tuning on my guitar. So I apologize sincerely. Too hard, I guess. Yeah. I did just play this guitar, didn't I? Okay. All right, sorry about that. Here we go.
at Psalms 40. David writes, Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified.
All right, good morning again. You've got your Bibles. We're going to be, you'll learn a new song today. I'm going to preach out of Scripture you know very well. This is 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. If you have been to a wedding recently, you've probably heard this passage of Scripture. It talks about love, and, and uh, it, it, most of the time we hear it out of its context. In other words, we hear about love, which is great, but it's not, it's not front-ended with the gifts and tail-ended when it goes back to the gifts. So we're going to look at it kind of in that context as we're moving through the letter that Paul writes to the church of God at Corinth. So last week, when we were in chapter 12, Paul talked about the spiritual gifts. And if I'm going to sum that up, you, you've got a gift. That's kind of what that was about. You have a gift or you have a part. God didn't make you to be a spectator in the church of God at Carlinville. God wants you to have a part to do what? To, for the common good, to build up or to edify the church. So, and I ask you this question, we're going to come back and ask it again. How do you use your gift? How do you use your gift? So, if you've noticed, I have in my hand a, a paintbrush, all right? Matter of fact, it is a pro paintbrush. And you might ask, what, you get, what am I doing with it? So today, not only did you get to learn how to tune a guitar, you kind of twist something on the end there at the neck, and, and then pretty soon it's magically tuned. And so I'm going to teach you how to paint today. So you get a bonus today. You've got to learn a lot of things. Now, here's the deal with the paintbrush. I thought about bringing paintbrushes and throwing them to the crowd, but they're pointed on one end, so I, I, I hesitated on that. So, but next time you pick up a paintbrush, I hope that you remember what we talked about today. I want this paintbrush to represent your gift. Okay, I want this paintbrush to represent your gift. And we're going to talk, we're going to come back to that. I'm going to hold the brush for a while because I really don't know what else to do with it at this point. So, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the brush in light of the 13th chapter. So, you don't get that at a wedding. Let's pick it up in the first verse of 1 Corinthians 13, chapter. Be reading out of New American Standard. You can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along in the Bible app. But let's read this together. Let's read God's Word and, and let's dive into it and appreciate it and, and take it home and, and apply it to our lives. All right? This isn't just for reading it. This is for the purpose of changing our lives. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomely. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. And if there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when, that, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So let's go back over what he's talking about in reference to love. Let's talk about this first aspect that he talks about in the early part of this chapter about the idea of without love, okay, the idea of without love. He says, if I have um, tongues, okay, without love, I'm just a clanging symbol. I am noisy. I am noisy. So, as we walk through this, we understand that Paul addresses the gifts because the church of God at Corinth has a problem with gifts and the using of gifts. Remember, this is a me-centered kind of ideology that they're living in, a kind of characteristic that they have. They're focused on themselves. They're focused on raising up their level. They want to be prominent rather than, than Christ-like. They want that, that attention. So when it talks about that, that, that gift of tongues and being noisy, maybe you've done this. Maybe you want to let everybody know that you are doing something while they are not doing anything. You know, maybe while they're still in bed, you're up. That, you know, what, what do you want to do when everybody else is asleep? When you want to get out the vacuum cleaner, right? Because you want to let them know that you are busy working. Maybe you're going to put away the dishes. I'm guilty of that. And, and, and make noise. It's that idea that I want, hey, I'm doing this. What are you doing? Okay, and that's the kind of attitude. And you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're doing it become, to, to capture the attention, right? So it says that you have prophecy or, or knowledge and faith. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. Have you ever hung around that person that knows a lot of stuff you don't know? And they want to let you know that they know a lot of stuff that you don't know? They, they, you know... I have a paintbrush in my hand. Do you know when the first paintbrush was invented? Do you really care? Okay? You, know, you don't want to know what it was made out of the first? You, know, you think about that. But somebody you're going to hang out with, paint, and they're going to tell you all these facts about a paintbrush and about pigment. and about You know, the first paint was made with berries. Aren't you glad you don't have to go and gather the berries and crush the berries? And I just want to paint the wall, right? So, so without love, it's nothing. That's what Paul says. Uh, you know, I can feed the poor. Do this kind of um, 
the, the what would Jesus do was that social gospel thing. It's a great thing. Started out, but it turned into a social gospel, where what we did is we put food on people's back, or we put food on in people's plates and clothes on people's backs, and we forgot to tell them about Jesus because we all of a sudden we got focused on the wrong things. Without love, it's nothing. Give my body to me. Oh, here, take my body. I'm going to go out there and 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 whatever happens, God, I'm yours. But without love, it is it is nothing. And Paul points that out. Why? Because they had gifts that they were used. They had gifts that they were using without love. Look at what I'm doing, kind of attitude. And it wasn't with love. It was with something else. And and consequently, he's telling them that you're doing it without love. You're, You're not doing it the right way. And you just as well stop. Just as well stop. Sometimes we come along and, and we, we see somebody that's doing something and they're, they're doing it wrong, right? And when, they, when we see that they're doing it wrong, we stop them. I'm going to say, if you see somebody driving and you're with them in the car and they're coming up to a stop sign and they open the door and they put out their foot, you're going to tell them what that other pedal's for, aren't you? I mean, really, that's, that's what Paul's doing. He's telling them, you're not doing it right. You're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it with the right application. You need to stop. And so he's bringing into question, and that's we're going to come back to and ask that question, how are you using your gift? It was the first question. We're going to come back to that. I want you to consider that because this church had a lot of good things. God had gifted them. But they weren't using it right. And then, as you read through there, when it talks about love is patient, love is kind, it's not these things. Instead of love, instead of love, or as I, I wanted to term this, this slide, put the slides there, instead of love, I wanted to talk, I wanted to, I, in my head, I pictured Splenda and, and the stuff in the pink thing and whatever the sweeteners are, where it becomes a substitute. Right? Um, it's a substitute. It isn't the real thing. And so what happens sometimes is instead of having love, what do we end up with? We end up with jealous. We end up being jealous with our 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 gifts. Well, I got stuck with I got stuck with this gift, and and you got a you got a different gift than I did, and so I'm jealous about that. And and so my whole focus is not on what I have and what God wants me to do. It's on what you have and what I can't do. We were going through that with COVID, right? Instead of focusing on what we can do, oftentimes what do we find ourselves doing? Focusing on what we can't do. And when we focus on what we can't do, we sit around and we moan and we groan and we feel miserable instead of appreciating what God has given to us. We become arrogant. Our brag. None of you would ever be arrogant or brag, would you? I mean, I get to ride a motorcycle every day. You all got stuck in cars, okay? Nothing bragging or anything like that. But I am, okay? I'm telling you, you guys get, you know what we call you guys? Cagers. 
Okay, you guys are riding around in a little cave. You know, you know that little kennel you put the animal in and you feel bad about because you've got to put the animal in? That's what we think of cars. Okay, you get stuck in a car. Not that I'm bragging about it. I get to ride a motorcycle and I'm not in a cage. Okay, I'm uncaged. We never do that, right? We never brag. We're never arrogant with what we are. Oh, yes, we are. And I got a gift that you don't have. Ha! Think about it. We're rude or selfish. Something up. We, we become provoked. It's not love. We, we keep track of wrongs, right? We keep track of other sins. Not that I'm keeping track, but that's a second, that's, that's a 241st time you've done that. No, I'm not keeping track, right? Yeah, we do. You know, and they talk about that in marriages, right? You, you know, when you forgive, you forgive, right? Until we get in trouble again. And then we reminded, you never picked, I remember the last time I told you to pick up your clothes, that was like last week, and now here they are again on the floor. Not the, and I told you the week before that, the week before that, but I thought you forgave me. Well, I did, but I'm still remembering those things, right? So we keep track of those things. Uh, we rejoice in the wrong. You see, that's the stuff that was going on at the church of God at Corinth. Now, remember this, right? The church of God at Corinth is a brand new thing. It's not all that old when Paul writes this letter. It's the only Christian outpost in Corinth. A place that's filled with people who are worshiping idols. It's a place that's filled Let's be honest with people that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't have a home in heaven. They are on their way to hell. And the church of God at Corinth is a life station. It has got the truth. It is the only place that people can come in and have their lives changed for eternity. The only place. Everything else is offering something up that is empty. It falls short. Here they are. We, we have sinned and we end up in our brokenness in every other place, every other temple. Hey, let's go to the temple of Artemis or Diana, however you want to look at it, or whatever, Zeus or something like that. And we'll go there and we'll buy one of the little souvenir shop idols and we'll take it home and put it on our mantle. Guess what? We think we're climbing out of our brokenness and we're not. We slide back down because it's not the gospel. We go out and we, you know, we'll go out and we'll do something else. It might make you forget your current situation, but in the morning when you wake up, you're still back in your brokenness because you've not got Jesus. And, and so this church of God at Corinth is a light. But as we've observed, as we walk through, sometimes they're turning the light out. To be honest with you, they, they, they flipped off the switch, and Paul's trying to get them, turn the switch back off, clean the globe, get the sin out of the church, live differently so they can see that Jesus is in you. And, it, and then they open up Christmas presents, and they're all being selfish with them. And they're, look what I got. You didn't get, you know, I mean, that's the kind of, so people are coming in. 
they've heard, you know, hey, you've got something I don't have. Let me go see what it's like. And then they walk into the church of God at Corinth. They're going, really? I think I'll go back to the other place. You've been there, haven't you? you got your heart set on buying a car. You want that brand new Chrysler. You want that brand new Ford. You want that brand new Chevrolet. You want that brand new Mercedes. And you go to the dealership. You find you that dealership. And you walk in. And all the salesmen are over there talking about the ball game. Hey, glad to see you. What did you think of the game yesterday? And they, they ignore you. You go in to buy a new dress. You go in to buy, uh, you know, a new computer, whatever it might be. You go in a, you're going to go buy a new refrigerator, a new stove. And you get there, and they, and they look at you like, well, we don't care that you're here. You've been there, right? And you, what did you do? You walked out, and you found someplace else. Well, let me tell you, in Corinth, they were the only store that, they could, that you could get Jesus at. And they had people that were acting like, like those rude people that you went shopping at. And so people would come in all set. I want, a fi- I want Jesus, right? And they'd walk in. Oh, if that's Jesus, I don't want Jesus. And that's what the church of God at Corinth was because they'd messed it up. They had these gifts. God had, God had given them the things, the tools with which to edify the church, with which to build the church up, to grow it, to impact the lostness in Corinth, to take those new believers and make them mature believers. But they... They, they, they didn't, they, they, were, they were eating rice with a paintbrush. They weren't using their tools right. And, and so the, the question is here. We're talking about the church of God at Corinth. The question is, is here. That's, that church is long gone. It's not there anymore. But the church of God at Carlinville is. And we've got to ask ourselves, are, are we the church that when people come in, when people see us outside of here, they say, I want what you have. And they go, I, don't, I, I had my heart all set on Jesus, but you just turned me away. I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. We want to be the doorway, not the barricade. So, what is love? Why is it so important? They talk about the gifts. How are you going to use those gifts? Love is patient. Love is kind. Rejoices in the truth. And you, you, you find some, man, I didn't know that. I'm so happy that I found the truth and I can change the way that I live. That's what that is. Rejoice in the truth. You bear all things. You believe all things. You hope all things. You endure all things because you know that there is a brighter tomorrow. You know that there's a place in heaven. You know that Jesus who hung on the cross, buried in the grave, and rose from the grave, He's coming back on a white horse. 
You may not be able to explain it. I just know he's dead. He's coming back on a white horse. Trump's going to sound. We'll all hear it. And the dead in Christ shall rise, not just the recently died and preserved, but the dead who've been dead for thousands of years. That body is coming up out of the ground. The ashes gathered back together. The bones gathered back together. And they're going to rise up to meet Him in the air. And then we which are alive and remain shall, we'll be watching their taillights. Right? We get a, I, I get to fly. I can't jump. I can't touch the rim on the basket. I used to be able to just barely touch it. Now I need, a, now I need help. Okay? And it's just going to get worse. But he's coming back, and I'll just soar right past that basketball hoop. Meet him in the air. I know this is going to happen. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I endure all things. Because Jesus has got this. I look around, and I see this world in, in a mess. He's going to fix it. There is a new heaven and a new earth coming. And all of this destruction, all of the, the, the remnants of what sin has done to this world are gone. We need to be like Jesus. What's the verse that we all know? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you think of the cross, it's because God loved you. It's because Jesus loved you. That gift of eternal life to you and I was done not because He had to, but because He loved us. And that's how we need to use our gifts. Love never fails. Do you understand when that resurrection time comes, there will be no more need for prophecy. There will be no more need for knowledge. and That stuff just goes away. But love will always be. Love will always be. So I'm asking you that question to start with. How do you use your gift? How do you use your gift? The paintbrush is your gift. How do you use your gift? Boom, 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 boom. I'm painting. What are you doing? You're just sitting there. I'm doing all the work here. I want to let you know that I'm doing all the work here. God gave me a paintbrush. He gave you a scraper. Ha! Think about that. You get all, I, get to, I get to do the finish work and you get to scrape it off. You get to lay the you get to prepare the way for me, but I'm the real show here. All right. Hey, hey, that's my spot to paint. Don't be painting on my spot. My paint's better than your paint, right? I mean, you know, how are you using your gift? Think about it. You laugh at those things, but that's exactly what we're doing. We're doing those things. And we're using the paintbrush and we're, 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 we're bragging about it. We're showing off about it. I painted, I painted three sides of the house and you haven't even got the door done. I mean, what's going on here? You know, and, oh, you missed a spot. I think that's the 312th spot I've counted you missed. Not that I'm keeping track, right? We paint because we love. We use our gift because we love. God gave me the gift for the common good of the church. To build it up. 
And so if I'm using my gift to build me up and tear you down, I'm not edifying the church. I'm not building up the church. I need to use my gift with love. Okay? That's the proper way to do that. Because I want somebody else's life to be changed. I want them to have what I have. I want to be able to look over my shoulder and see that they are going up when the trump sounds. I don't want to leave them behind. I want to love like Jesus loved. I want to give my life and my gifts. He gave His gift, His life, so that you and I might have eternal life. We need to give our gift, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever your paintbrush is, you need to use your gift so that somebody else might have an eternal home in heaven, so that somebody else might grow closer to Christ, so that we might not turn people away. We're going to use our our gift for the common good and for the kingdom. For the common good and for the kingdom. You put the last slide there. That's what it's about. God didn't gift you to make you better than somebody. God gifted you so that you might transform somebody. Think about that. Father, I thank You for this day. Father, I pray that this day that I have used my gift for the the furtherance of Your kingdom, for the common good of the church, so that someone might come to know You as Lord and Savior. Someone might grow closer to You. Father, I just pray that this day, Lord, there's somebody listening, Father, that they don't know You, they might step out of their brokenness, respond to the Gospel, the good news that You died for them, that You offer forgiveness if they will but ask. Father, I pray that they would do that this day. Father, I pray that we as as believers here, Father, we would understand, we would search out our gift, and Father, we would consider how we use our gift. And Father, not to sit on the sidelines, not not to put our paintbrush in the closet, but Father, to bring it out for Your glory, for Your honor. Father, to build up, to edify, to use our gifts for the common good of the church for the common good of those that do not know You. In Jesus' name, Amen.
to sing this song, name above all names, worthy of all praise, about Jesus, about God. And, and I'm going to invite you, if you're sitting at home, listen, or if you're here, if you need to respond to that, if you need to, if God is moving you to do something, I, I want you to do that. If you're online, reach out to us. You can message us through the page. But respond to what God is doing in your life if you're here. And you, need, you can come down and pray, all right? We, you know, and if you need to make a, something that I need to know about, we'll make that happen. But it's, it's about changing our lives. That's why we sing. That's why we're here. Name above all names, worthy of all praise, my heart will sing how great is our God. Name above all names, worthy of all praise, my heart will sing how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to keep reading your Bible. Remember, anything is great, all right? Put the Bible app on there, and if it shoots a verse to you a day, that's better than what you used to be doing. But I have encouraged you to read. I've been asked to, to keep you reading and give you an assignment. So it's this week. It's Acts 9 through 10, Amos 5 through 6, Psalm 45 through 49, and Proverbs 8 and 9 because I actually had you read seven two weeks in a row which means I make mistakes, but what really concerns me is nobody bothered to point it out. And I'm just telling you, I don't make mistakes very often, so when you get the opportunity, you need to point that out. So anyway, Proverbs 8 and 9. Thank you.